I just remember to keep moving my head back and forth to and fro from the microphone in time with the volume of my voice, then this will be a perfect recording. What the f*** is going on down there? Hello everyone, welcome to episode 425 of WTFTFW. I'm here with Seth Buzzard talking about a Japanese cannibal. How are you doing, Seth? Uh, I'm alright. Cool. I'm a little worse for wear, I'm a little tired. Yeah. Uh, been a lot lot of overtime and uh, uh, several hours of double time uh, at work, but there's a light at the end of the tunnel. We have new employees coming in. It's going to take a while to get them trained, but things should start getting better in a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's already looking up on our end. We're recording on Friday night. I know. It's crazy. Like, like Seth isn't comatose. I don't think so. Anyway, I can't see him. I have at least 20 minutes of energy left. All right. I'll try to ration out to make it through a whole show. <laughs> well, don't worry, because we got a real exciting thing to talk about right up front. I've been stoked about this all afternoon. Uh, Toys R Us Japan is getting an exclusive Robots in Disguise Warrior toy. It's a repaint of Warrior Optimus Prime as the brand new character, Jeffrey Prime. He's uh, painted up in Toys R Us colors with giraffe-colored star-spotted legs. Uh, one green shoulder, one pink shoulder. He is Jeffrey Prime. He even has giraffe ears painted on his helmet and a little mouth on his face. This is a wonderful toy. Uh, it's going to retail for, like, I think 17... Yeah, 1,700 yen. Uh, problem is you have to be in Japan at a Toys R Us to get it, which means that by the time people are selling it to people in North America, that, I, I'm going to expect this will cost probably, like, 30 bucks at least. Um, you know, after people want to charge for their time and shipping and everything, but damn, if I see one for like 30 bucks in a convention, I might get super tempted because this looks really fun and dumb. Uh, and I don't mind the Warrior Optimus toy. It's, it's one of the weaker toys in the line, but it's, it's biggest weakness is when you put it next to other R.I.D. toys, this, this would be standing on his own as Jeffrey Prime. Um, Seth, how do you feel about Jeffrey Prime? Well, he has the Matrix of Retail. He does. And when he activates it, they raise prices by at least two dollars. This is the guy who this is the guy when, when I start yelling about platinum, it's Jeffrey Prime who bursts in through the wall like the Kool-Aid man and tells me, Hey, actually, that's a pretty good price. <laughs> actually. <laughs> yeah, that's his catchphrase. Actually, that's a good price. There's a there's a dot 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 after the actually. <laughs> that, now I'm just imagining that's like Toys R Us's like national ad campaign coming up, like <laughs> going into the holidays. Toys R Us, actually, it's a good price. <laughs> that is the best thing they could do right now, in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, in the very the very narrow scope of Transformers prices, especially in Canada, that would be that would be a a bold and a great move compared to just about anything else they could do. <laughs> You might think other stores have better prices, but actually, we have a good price. <laughs> and if you don't believe it, we'll price match their better prices. Does Toys R Us do that? Uh, they do in Canada. I did it for the very first time, which we'll talk about later. Willikers. 
I don't know if they do that around here. I've never heard tale of such a thing. Yeah, they got a they got a whole page. Not for since it. the days of Circuit City commercials have I heard of such a thing. You should see if Toys R Us dot com has a page because Toys R Us Canada, if, as long as it follows some really weird criteria that sometimes you can get away with not following, depending on who's talking to you, they'll price match stuff. Yeah, but Canada is a socialist utopia. It is. We uh, we have band aids in our drugstores. And non non alcoholic beer in our drugstores. Uh, what? Seth. Non alcoholic beer. Yeah. That's weird. Why even bother? I've asked that question. I need that great taste of beer. Yeah, that's what and I. The only place that's open is the drugstore. <laughs> that's what I've asked every time I've seen non alcoholic beer. I say, "Who is this for?" And no one can ever give me a good answer. Because I, I, okay, let's let me be straight up with you. I don't think most beer tastes very good. So I don't understand the purpose of drinking beer for the taste. Yeah. But that's just me. I mean, I also could say the same thing about Dr. Pepper, because I don't think Dr. Pepper tastes very good. Are you lame, but you're going to a cool beer party? Well, take this non-alcoholic beer so people don't know that you're lame. (laughs) What's What's an uncool beer party? All beer parties are cool. Well, then why are they called a cool beer party? Because it's cool. I don't know. It's like how cigarettes make you cool. Hey, let's go talk it to just the is. Let's talk to the tall giraffe as opposed to the short giraffe. Yeah, speaking of giraffes, um on this Jeffrey Prime, mm-hmm. I I really like the paint on his feet to make it look like he has hooves. Yep. I think that works well. Uh I'm a little disappointed that his shins have stars and not um giraffe spots i am too i'm a little disappointed i didn't know those were stars until i was in the middle of clicking on a link while i was describing how he looked about a minute ago and i saw at that point that those were actually stars yeah Uh, when i saw pictures of it on my phone and it was very tiny yeah and even in like this little thumbnail here on the front page i thought they were spots yeah me too and then when i clicked to make the picture bigger i was like why are they stars they should be spots yeah, I, what are they thinking? I think that that you know stars versus spots on this figure is you know it's making him a nine instead of a ten, I guess. Well, uh, it makes him fabulous is what it does. Yeah, he's sparkly. I also just know that he's got. I like his axe. I just pointed at it. Even I like his axe with the bit of silver <laughs> on the one side. Like that looks that looks choice. His uh, his vehicle mode looks kind of funny though because he he's a truck. Where the back half is just made, it's a giant block of giraffe meat. To the most delicious of meats. Yeah, yeah. So my steaks are made out of. Anyway, I think I'm going to try to get one of these if it is not, like, stupid expensive. I kind of like this. If they started selling it in American Toys R Us's... I would look at it and go, ah, look at that dumb thing. And then I would probably leave it for somebody else. I don't know if I would get it. It's, it. I mean, it's funny to look at. I'm kind of uh, mad kinda they're neat not selling it in North American it, Toys R Us. Huh? I'm kind of mad they're not selling them in North American Toys R Us's. Oh, I don't care about North American. I care about American Toys R Us's. I'm just trying to be inclusive to those down south. I mean, like, te- technically, I just care about Canadian Toys R Us's. Because I-, I would rather see him for sale, you know, in the Great White North. Land of the giraffes. 
the woolly giraffe. Yes, we have plenty of those. They but, roam uh, the tundra and eat from the tundra trees. You know, tundra fruit's pretty good, okay? You ever, you, ever huh? had, you ever had fresh squeezed tundra juice? No, but I had some tundra ice cream a little while ago. That was pretty good. All right, all right. Anyway, uh, that's, I just wanted to get some awareness out there about Jeffrey Prime, because uh, I don't think I've been excited about a Transformer like this since, like, yesterday. <laughs> I thought you were going to say I haven't been excited about Toys R Us's mascot since about yesterday. I'm still not really excited. Unless this is their new mascot, I'm still not that excited. Sorry, Jeffrey, but you're a giraffe in a blue shirt. Like, there's nothing there. Uh, Seth, new picture Hello. picks. You had a real sharp one. I'm going to assume you stopped talking. Skype happened. Uh, yeah, I've been having some <laughs> Skype. I, I said your new picture pick was a sharp one because he's got yeah. pointy bits on him. It dropped out when he said sharp. Oh. Yours was a sharp... A real sharp what? A sharp what, Vangelis? God! Sharp one. A real sharp cookie. Sharp one is what it is. TFCon Chicago 2016 exclusive Mastermind Creations 15B Anibus Deathstroke. Or Deathhead. Man, I'm just... I can't... Death shed. Final product images of not death head death shed is also a great that's a way cooler name right quick somebody start a metal band named death shed uh this thing's pretty amazing i saw it popping up on twitter today mm -hmm. and it was only pictures of the robot mode and i was like holy crap did they get a third party company to just make a death head figure I kind of love this. And then investigating more, finding out it transforms, I was like, ah, it's okay that it transforms. I would have been just completely stoked if there was like this third party, like super high quality death head knockoff or ripoff um, that just had like awesome articulation and it wouldn't even need to transform for me. Yeah. But it's still super awesome um, and makes me sad again that. I can't go to TFCon Chicago this year. Um, there's a lot of reasons why I'd like to go. This has now been added to the list of things <laughs> that I can't experience this year. Oh, so I mean, that's a bummer. Whenever they do a convention Someone exclusive, send me one. whenever they do one of these, like the, I, th I think all but one of the Mastermind ex convention exclusives so far have eventually ended up for sale online as well. So it's it's not going to be impossible. Uh, also. My understanding of this guy, I can't quite remember the conversation I had, but uh, so this is the the lockdown that they're putting out. Um, it's the, it's a lockdown who's going to be retooled into a Cyclonus. Uh, this Death's Head is the lockdown version with, I believe, just a new head sculpt and new weapons. The rest of it all is done just with paint. And having seen like both of them, I think the effect is pretty sharp because this guy doesn't really look a ton like the lockdown they're doing at a glance because of the placement of like the greens and the yellow in the middle. So I, I really, I really dig this. Also, I had never seen his vehicle mode until today. So I, I was curious what the, the vehicle mode would look like with all those colors. And it looks all right. I kinda he like said it. this was uh, from a Cyclonus. Uh, it's from a, a lockdown. Who's then going to be retooled into a Cyclonus. Ah. This is like the third one that they're doing off of it. 
Yeah, the way they painted the hands, the the red fingertips kind of gave me a scourge vibe. Mm. Yeah, I uh, I'm I'm really also looking forward to this because this might be the first time that this design actually gets released because the lockdown uh, that that this is based on got delayed a whole bunch. So uh, this this might be the first release of of this design in general. Huh. Cool. And uh, I like I like I like that they worked his cape in. That was the part that I was happiest about at TFCon when they first showed this. Like they used all the junk in the back and actually made it look kind of like a cape. Yeah, all that junk. All that them junks. Yeah, it's just it's really cool looking, and uh, as long as I don't have to like go to eBay and pay jack prices, I I'm gonna probably see about trying to get my hands on one. Oh yeah, like I, I think they, they'll probably put it up on Planet Steel Express at least, which is like the kind of the, the quote unquote official mastermind uh, sales page. Um, I want to say also part of the reason why this because I saw a lot of griping on Twitter um, from a lot of people, especially people in the UK, about this being exclusive to the Chicago TFCon. Uh, uh, we invented that head by the UK. Uh. Basically, that is 100% Brexit. word for word what, what they were saying. It was really weird when they brought that part up. But my understanding of this thing is that uh, doing this as Death's Head, the, the decision-making folks, I think, were kind of like not sure if enough people would even care about buying a Death's Head. So uh, I, I think it's probably quite gratifying to see a whole bunch of people saying, no, I want one, because if it sells out super fast at Chicago they will probably know there's enough people wanting a second run of it that they might do it. So, I'm And excited. if enough people want it, then we could see other strange characters like this come around. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, I, I know, you know, an, an, easier, an easy thing to think is like, why would they think this wouldn't sell? And in my mind, I'm like, yo, Death's Head is cool. But like, the number of people who know about Death's Head, I think, are loud more so than they are numerous. So I'm I'm actually just excited that this was even bandied about as an idea. Uh, I'm hoping a similar volume can rise up for uh, what Mastermind put up on April 1st, which was they revealed a small figure they're doing, but they revealed it as a joke with a different head and a different paint job. So he looked like Omega Supreme. And I'm, I'm hoping that people remember they all need to yell about how they would actually buy one that was colored like Omega Supreme. That's important. It's very important. They could uh, do a different head and a different color scheme and do the kind of despised 90s reboot of Death's Head. I would friggin' love a Death's Head 2 figure. Like, because Death's Head 2 is ridiculous. But, like, you know, I've got I've got that Marvel Universe Death's Head, like the, the G.I. Joe scale one. Yeah, I have uh, one of those, too. Like, I'd love to see this figure just done up in those colors as well. But a Death's Head 2... Out of not maybe not even out of this figure, but like you know, Mastermind is doing bulkier figures. Do a bulkier figure with a new head up as Death's Head Two, and like, I think that would be fun. I think Death's Head Two is a legitimate case of maybe only about twenty people would want to buy it, but you know, we are two of those twenty. Yeah, I well, I look at that design now, the Death's Head Two, and I remember back when they launched that comic in the 90s i was like yeah this dude's badass look he's metal he's like got a skull and the skull's broken and there's another skull underneath <laughs> and now i look at it and go yeah god is 
terrible. <laughs> so my, my whole exposure <laughs> to character. My whole exposure to Death's Head 2 was the what if, where Death's Head does not in fact become Death's Head 2. And instead, like escapes being rad <laughs> yeah he, he escapes being assimilated so then whatever the thing because death said too that body had like a different name but i forgot what it was i think it was like overkill originally yeah so like that body instead like since it missed death's head uh you know assassinating him it goes to kill some other people uh and then it gets taken over by some crazy bad guy who then uses it to go and like kill and assimilate like mr fantastic and all these other marvel characters and so like original you know, cool Death's Head has to, like, fight him alongside all the surviving Avengers and Fantastic Four and whatnot. And, like, everybody dies except Death's Head, and he finally kills Big Evil Skull Thing. And then I was like, I kind of want to see more comics from this universe, but they never did any. Boo. It's the only what-if that Death's Head was ever in, as far as I know. And it was one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, that what-if was crazy. Like, uh, oh, what was it? Like... Sue Storm, because she's all mad because the thing killed Mr. Fantastic. She's like, I'm going to pop you from the inside out with an invisibility bubble while the thing and Power Man hold you in place. And then the guy was like, what if I reverse your invisibility bubble? And then the thing and Luke Cage both explode <laughs> from the inside out. And then she's all like, oh, no, what I do? And then Death's is Head that, 2, like, what? Is that reversing the bubble or just making it go into somebody else? It was just, it was her opening one inside somebody else. I think it was the thing. Yeah, but I, I'm just saying that this this head doesn't know what reversing means. Yeah, I also <laughs> I'm paraphrasing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he probably just said, "I'm going to change the polarity." That always that's a good good one to use. The thing I remember most about the panel when she accidentally blows up the other two guys is Luke Cage is all in shadow when he explodes, so they're not showing, like, his entrails and stuff. <laughs> but there but, are, like, orange rocks flying everywhere. Oh, yeah, the thing is in full color just exploding into orange rocks, and, like, the part of his head is flying off, and I'm like, this actually looks worse, because it's, like, his head from the upper row of teeth up kind of just flies straight up, but then, like, the lower jaw blows off to the side, and I'm like... The thing is still a person, and you've drawn him like he's a giant rock golem. I don't think that's how he works, but whatever. This is still kind of a stupid, fun comic. Uh, yeah, the thing looking at that Death's Head 2 design is it, it looks like they put all this effort in designing like this really heavy metal head. And I mean heavy metal by like heavy metal magazine. Yeah. Um, and then didn't put any effort into the rest of his body because he's basically just blue. Yeah, he's the Max without the yellow gloves. <laughs> Yeah, just a big blue guy. Yeah, there's like some red bits around his waist, and then his arm is crazy, and that's about it. Yeah, I try go. I, I recommend anyone track down that what if. It's 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 a pretty darn good what if. All right. S speaking to someone who enjoys a good what if, where everyone dies. Uh, <laughs> my own new picture pick is not convention related, but it is unofficial toys. Uh, Iron Factory are currently my favorite company who do uh, Legend Scale unofficial transforming robots uh, i like the other ones that people do as well dx9 being the biggest competitor just iron factory aside from their overlord have never let me down and i'm the only person on the entire planet who bought their overlord and thought it was weak so you know, take that as you will they're doing a two-pack of drift and deadlock uh drift being the white one and deadlock being the black one uh deadlock is who drift was when he was a decepticon before he changed his ways and became Drift. Uh, so this is kind of like their Datsun 3-pack, where it's two figures that are very similar, 
these guys have a lot more unique parts on them than the Datsuns did. But uh, they both turn into basically a little Cybertronian thing, which is what most Iron Factory toys turn into. Um, and they look really fun. Like, Iron Factory toys usually are a real solid robot mode, a really good feel in hand, and then, like, a Cybertronian alt mode that, in the pantheon of Cybertronian alt modes, I think generally are pretty cool. Uh, they're usually able to roll if they have wheels. Uh, if they don't, then they sit there and look neat. So I, I think this looks pretty cool. The the robot modes look striking, and uh, I kind of like they're doing the two-pack thing. I know a lot of people don't, but I, I like it because it's more weapons for the other one to use if I only like one of them. Um, but I'm looking forward to this thing coming out. Uh, Seth, you're not up on the comics. I don't know if you were even reading them when Drift was around, but how do you feel uh -huh. about these little guys? <clears throat> um, the robot modes do look pretty awesome. I really like the design there. Uh, the vehicle modes look like something that they had to do. Like, well, we got to make them transform, but we're not going to put a whole lot of thought into it. Like, the vehicle modes don't look like anything to me. Uh, I think if the hands folded away, they would have done a whole lot more. But the hands don't fold away, and that's my biggest bummer. And I wouldn't even mind if the hands being there meant you plug guns on top of them, because that means it's another, you know, like, hole to put things in. But yeah. They put the guns behind them, and I'm like, why would you not put the... I mean, you could probably just put the guns in them anyway, but I'm like, in your photos, yeah. why don't you put the, the guns in the hands? <laughs> yeah, because that would help hide the hands. Yeah. Um, do we know what kind of price point these things are at? I think the pre-orders are up now. Let me go take a look. Uh, I yeah, because I... And, like, when I see stuff like this, it's like, I think, I wouldn't be against going in, and this is similar to that um, TFCon death head. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not against the idea of non-transforming awesome robot figures, um, especially if, and this is just my opinion in this case, the, the vehicle modes or the alt modes uh, don't really look like that was really anything they were worried about doing. It's like you could do a Cybertronian alt mode and it could be and you could get away with a lot doing that where you don't you're not constrained to make this look like an actual car that existed. Mm. Um, but you could also get, in my opinion, kind of lazy with it. And I guess the trade off is how good their robot modes look. It's uh, 70 bucks for the two pack. And how tall are they? They're probably about, uh, I'd say, four to five inches tall. Yeah, that's not bad. That's also four why I'm, I'm, I'm forgiving on the, the vehicle modes, because they, they, they are operating at a pretty small scale. Yeah. Um, and at, at least with the like with the way they do their vehicle modes, for the most part, the robot mode does not ever suffer. for like It's, it's <sighs> like the transformation is not adding a ton, other than like a lot of tabs and things um, to the existing robot modes. And then, like, usually, like, a big hinge somewhere that, that causes a pretty big transformation moment. But, yeah, they're, like, uh, 70 bucks for the pair. So, like, if you're splitting it with someone, be 35 each. Oh, and that's not bad. Mm -hmm. Not bad price for a couple of figures around the four to six inch range. Yeah, definitely um, more of the four. Yeah. We'll just say four inch range. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because at 35 each, that's not... Like, what were, like, Vitruvian hacks? Those are 4-inch figures. Those were, like, 20 bucks a shot or something? Yeah, let me... 
You know what? I got one of the Iron Factory figures right here. Let me just see how tall he is. But yeah, uh, Vitruvian hats were like 20 bucks, I think. Yeah, and they're... No, I wouldn't say less complex. I mean, but, you know... Okay. They kind of are. But. The Iron Factory version of Black Shadow is, like, literally a four-inch tall little figure. And he's a bit taller if you use his backpack. But, like, the actual figure is, like, at the top of his head about four inches. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that price seems reasonable to me. Yeah. And, I mean, and Jen, just to reiterate, like, between looking at these robot modes and the Death's Head robot mode, it just kind of makes me crave a little bit. Just, like, a, a line of cool highly posable robots that don't necessarily have to be something. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's like, you know, it's it's not going to be the same kind of designs, but like that bullet point is what a lot of licensed third-party stuff is able to hit. It's just a shame that most of them have to start with Optimus Prime. Yeah. Because uh, I would love to see like, like with Death's Head or with, uh, like with Death's Head, one that focuses on the robotic aspects, but also with like, you know, a deadlock or a drift. You know, it's cool that they transform, but like, it would be cool to see one that focused a whole lot on the robot mode too, like especially a licensed third-party thing with like a, a you know a company with a lot of pedigree behind its engineering. But it seems like everyone who gets the license has to do Optimus and Megatron first, and then yeah, they, that's, then Bumblebee and then Starscream. Yeah, and then that's you know two to four expensive figures out of the way, and it's like, can we even afford to make the line any deeper at this point? Yeah. That's uh yeah. Um I'm I'm happy to see some more updates from Iron Factory. Uh generally I've I've been enjoying their stuff with more regularity than a lot of the other uh legend scale unofficial things out there. Uh and that's our new picture pick section. So coming up next, we got a pair of listener questions, and by that I mean listener question inputs from two different listeners. Uh usually these end up having multiple questions buried within them. But the first one comes from Oreo. So I'm going to read this. Hi, Evangelist and friends. I have a few questions. There you go. That would be interesting to hear your thoughts on. <laughs> uh, first of which is in regards to the Prime Wars trilogy and what the next line will be after Titan's return. I have an idea on how the next line of Generation Toys could possibly work out. I picture Hasbro pulling for Pretenders and Micromasters. The mainline deluxes could have an opening in either the back or the chest to accommodate a smaller Transformer, roughly the size of an Armada Minicon or Legends figure. So, for example, you could have a transformable Pretender Cloudburst figure that rep- resembles the G1 shell. Uh, Hasbro could potentially sell three or four packs of Micromaster figures that can all be compatible with the larger Pretender figures. Think along the lines of Mega Pretenders, like Crossblades and Roadblock, but apply it in various size classes of Deluxes and Voyagers with interchangeable inner robots. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Another reason this would make sense is the classic Pretenders, which would make an avenue for including the things they have to include, like Starscream and Bumblebee. So what I'm what I'm imagining he means is, like, it's not so much you have a little car that's sticking onto the chest, but it's like... You have a transformer, but he's got like a, a space inside him where you could in, you could take another little robot and fit them in, and maybe that would like pop something out of the helmet or something like that, which I think could be pretty cool. Um, but uh, I think this is also interesting because I'd swear that I don't know if it was on the podcast, but the last one of the last times that I was having the conversation about whether Pretenders could be the next generation's line, it was something like this, where it's like you could do Pretenders, but you'd probably need to integrate something else with them, and like. Yeah, we talked about it a Did, few shows ago. That was us. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Because I was suggesting that maybe you could do pretenders where, like, for the, the larger, like, Voyager and leader size figures, and then you'd have to figure out something else for 
deluxe and smaller figures and then you suggested like uh, um um what were they called the not transforming guys oh uh, action masters Ac- yeah i think you brought up action masters i don't think they would do a non-transforming thing yeah which i, I think is going to be the big hurdle if they do take on pretenders he's like personally i want a non-transforming pretender shell this kind of is along the same lines as what i was saying in the pick picks about like i just make like a cool robot that does transform like mm. i would like to see figures of those pretender shell bodies um yeah so i i just i don't know what hasbro would be willing to do and what's feasible to do um and then what they would end up doing if they decided to tackle pretenders because I think this idea is is kind of you know it's like what they did when when they've had pretender characters in generations before. It's like we'll make a we'll have it just a transformer, but the robot mode will greatly resemble a pretender shell, yeah. and the vehicle mode will greatly resemble that you know inner robot's vehicle to some degree, and then we'll have this fusion of the two. And I like that, but it also means you aren't going to get something that's incredibly um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not representative. Uh, I forgot the word. You're not going to get something... Accurate? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I guess it's not, it's not going to be G1 accurate. Slavish, that's what I'm looking for. You're not going to get something that's, like, really slavish to the original shell. And I don't want to see the... Like, I kind of don't want to see a really slavish shell that then tries to transform because it has nothing to work with. So, yeah, it, it would be cool if they could have, like, just action figures of the shells, maybe even as, like, a different line that's coming out concurrently. Um... You know what would be a cool venue? It would never happen, I think, because there's no room for it in the way it's working right now. But, like, if Hero Mashers had more room, like, just a Hero Mashers Skull Crunchers shell uh-huh. would be kind of neat. Because, like, those are those are technically just action figures. Do, like, Transformer Monster Fight spinoff line and do all the shell bodies as your character base. Yeah. And just do a spinoff line and have them be like six inch figures or something i don't know they probably would never do that hey, hey, hey. Like, it's animorphs all over again this is terrible <laughs> i mean i i wouldn't mind animorphs all over i i never I, i'd love to see them like work animorphs into the greater hasbro to, like boys toys fiction thing they're doing uh be fun to see those come back somehow but i say that only because I just saw like a Twitter picture meme of something about how Animorphs is a really screwed up novel series, which I actually never read. But apparently the Animorphs novels were really screwed up. <laughs> There's something about them like some kid got turned into a rat and then like had to spend a long enough time as a rat that his brain permanently was like partly rat and really messed up or something. I don't know. Um, Animorphs apparently was screwed up. But uh, sounds like it. I think I think Oreo's idea is like one of the closest things to like what probably would happen if pretenders were going to happen is is if they still got to be transformers, then you focus on the imagery and then gimmick wise figure out how to have like little guys that can go in them. It would be your update to Titan Masters. And there you go. Yeah, but uh, my concern, again, like similarly to like the idea that I was putting out for a pretender line would be. Can you make that work on the deluxe size class, or would the the cavity you need in the torso to jam the little dude in be too too much 
of the overall mass of the toy and that makes alt mode suffer and then you have these big square body transformer characters i'm, I'm thinking they all have to have this big square body i'm thinking it would be more instead of just having like a, a space inside where something would insert i was thinking it would be like um imagine like the robot then there's just like a hole punched right through the chest or something like that and that's what the little guys would slip into and like obviously the deluxes would come with one but like that that's what i'm thinking is like it's less about the robot bulging out to fit something inside of it and more like there's just a hole in their body that the the thing is occupying like I, they certainly wouldn't call them pretenders anymore i don't think because like that part wouldn't be there and I, I don't i don't know how the like the fictional idea of pretenders would work into a toy nowadays like the whole thing of like you don't know it's a transformer it, it's a person like I'm, I'm not sure that's ever gonna happen well from the little of the marvel comic that i read where the pretenders were around it didn't even seem like that's what was happening yeah <laughs> it didn't seem like anyone was being fooled and it seemed like there were just like these giant dudes hanging around with the transformers and then like grimlock would pop out or something <laughs> it just it seemed weird i mean it doesn't make any sense it's silly and dumb and yeah i don't know what they're gonna do to follow up titans or titans return i just i don't know if there's any way to do pretenders that makes sense yeah, I think it would be as much as I would like to see them do take a run at it. I just I have trouble wrapping my mind around like what would Hasbro be willing slash capable of doing that I would want, and I can't figure out figure that out. Yeah, I think I think for pretenders, it's going to be it'd be more about just those characters showing up than their gimmick showing up. Like I'm I'm thinking. Like almost like Oreo's idea, you could almost I I would almost take more as a Power Masters idea myself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like I, I, I like I I don't really have a solid idea on what the third part of the Prime Wars trilogy really would be. Is like I don't even know if they're gonna do a line wide gimmick next time. Like I guess we'll see if Titans grab people the way the Combiners apparently did. Um, yeah, and also the idea Oreo puts out just it sounds a lot like the titans it's except for the little guy goes into the chest instead of on top of the shoulders to become a head it seems too similar yeah because the the titans are radically different from the combiners yeah yeah totally. like, it's a totally different concept and i i would be surprised if they did something so similar for the follow-up and then if you did something where the little guy jamming in activates some something then you're just sort of remaking armada at some point aren't you yeah, um, I I don't know if I would necessarily be against that uh, if or if it was being redone in a way where the gimmicks are not like eighty percent of the action figure, but I, I like this all this all is stuff that kind of cruxes on how is it presented, you know? So like I I don't know how I would present that in a way that people would enjoy. Yeah, and but, if the third thing in the trilogy was Transformers Armada Two, I'd be like, okay, well let's see what you got. Yeah. Are you going to remake those characters? Are we going to get a new Hot Shot and a new uh, Cyclonus, like Armada-style Cyclonus and the tank guy I forget the name of? Demolishor. Demolishor. Like, I'm, I would be like, okay, let's see what you got. I'm excited to see what, how you're going to do this. Yeah. I'm interested. Show me something. Like, for, for generations right now, for this Prime Wars thing, 
There's no, if someone told me what the gimmick was without any pictures, I don't think I would react negatively. Like, really, like, right now, it's like, you tell me what the gimmick is, it would be, like, what you're describing. I'd just be like, okay, show me what you're gonna do. Like, the, I don't, I don't feel like there's any real way to, like, screw the thing up. I don't know how else to put it. Like, it's, it's it seems just like it's, it's all going on a really good creative line right now. And also, if they if it does, you know, turn out to be the worst thing ever, then wait a year and it'll go away. <laughs> As with, like, any Transformers line. Um... All right, Oreo's second question, because I just counted. He has three. Because uh, he does oh. that thing where his third one is, and lastly, another. Uh, secondly, if Hasbro were to pursue a Generations Pretender line, who would be your top pick? Oreo's answer would be Longtooth. Uh, Longtooth was the walrus man with the camera for an eye. Uh-huh. He's a walrus, so his name's Longtooth. I'm partial to the... Uh, I'm blanking on the name. The... Uh... The dude with like the old timey deep sea diver helmet. Oh, Octo Punch. Octo Punch. Yeah. I thought Octo was involved. That would be mine too. That's I think my favorite pretender. We're like pretender married. Yeah. <laughs> it's just weird. There's a lot of really weird pretender designs. I and love then the ones that were just like guys were were weird for how they were guys, just like dudes. Yeah. Well, and then, like, you know when they had, like, the Mega and the Super or whatever pretenders who, like, the shell would transform? Uh-huh. Like, the one, the Autobots had one where it was it was still a guy with a fleshy human guy face, but his whole body would contort <laughs> into, like, a helicopter, and another one would turn into a motorcycle, but their face was still an organic person. Yeah. And I remember thinking, like, that's cool, but also, like, why are you even trying with the face? It's like... Yeah, well, I argued that's where... Uh, the Botcon folks screwed up when they did their, their. Uh, oh yeah, the um, me- uh, Metal Hawk. Metal Hawk, yeah, and they he had like this fleshy l- lips, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> flesh tone face, and it's just like I don't know, it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> don't worry, everyone, I'm a real person. All right, this is very advanced armor that lets me contort into a jet plane. Where does your hip go? Don't worry about it. Cybernetics. Are, sorry, are you a scientist? No, shut up. I'm Metal Hawk. That's my name, Metal Hawk. I'm a person. Where'd your hips go? <laughs> See, when technology is advanced enough, it appears as magic. <laughs> then he flies away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a robot wizard, human man. <laughs> You know what? You know who I'd want to see as the shell, but having a vehicle mode, but looking exactly like the G one shell is the Tom uh, Selleck-y looking one. Yeah, Stranglehold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the naked guy. I wanted. I wanted to see him like <laughs> this meat transforming. It's this horrible, like fleshy squish and like a bone snap, and he's like a tank. Well, some of those Marvel Transformers got kind of close to that, like that. Uh... Wasn't the uh, Thor one, like, really weird? Kind of like that? Yeah, although the Marvel Transformers never had flesh tone, I don't think. Like, they, 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 were, they were really outwardly looking like robots that were... Like, it was like a robot Thor. Was it the Marvel ones or the oh! Star Wars ones? No, I know what you're thinking of. You're thinking of uh, the Toy Biz Marvel shapeshifters, where, like, the Punisher turned into a gun. Is that what I'm thinking of? Yeah, because th- those were trying to look like normal people 
I'm gonna. I, okay. I know I can find a picture of that. Because yeah, those those are the ones where they they were a normal superhero who would mush into nothing, and that was the whole line. Yeah, <laughs> I found it. Marvel shapeshifters. There's a whole bunch of them. They're all oh, they're all photos of them in package. You can't see what their dumb other mode is. But yeah, there's like a, there's a oh there's a juggernaut who turns into a tank, but he's still got like fleshy arms. Okay, that must be what I'm thinking of. I pulled up a pictures of those Marvel Transformers, and yeah, they are more robot-y. I found a Pinterest thumbnail of Juggernaut. Uh, Pinterest. You stink. It does. I hate scrolling down on Pinterest. Yeah, it's a nightmare. But uh, yeah, there was an Apocalypse who turned into a Galvatron cannon. Um, oh, of course. I forgot about this. There was a... There was an Iron Man. What do you think Iron Man would transform into? Uh, sweet hot rod. I don't know. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you a picture. I wonder if I can just look at this picture by itself. That should be the easiest one because he's already like mechanical. Okay, you're never mechanical. gonna guess. I'm gonna send Seth a link to Shapeshifter's Iron Man, and he can see what Iron Man turns into. Oh, an axe. Awesome. You know, the one thing you'd think Iron Man would turn into. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> Punisher turns into a gun. Iron Man turns into an axe. Yeah, natural. Anyway, uh, we have one more question from Oreo. Uh, who says, and lastly, another question on my mind is What's in regards... What's your favorite flavor of Oreos? I, Mine's Swedish fish. I like the... Ew. <laughs> I refuse to taste those. I haven't seen them. If somebody offered me one, I'd smack it out of their hand and say, I will eat an Oreo. I will eat a Swedish fish. I will not eat them at the same time. I only have two things to say. Number one, I already don't like Swedish fish, so I wouldn't even try oh, those. Number I two, Oreo really likes all Oreos, and he tried the Swedish fish one on Twitter, I believe. He reported that it was terrible, but he can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, that's the first place that I heard about it. Was Tim tweeting about how bad it was? Okay. I was like, "What? This can't be real." Because I don't want chocolate and like fruit candy. Like that doesn't go. No, no, it doesn't. And yeah. then it's not even going to be fruit candy. It's just it's going to be that weird stuff that's in Oreos that tastes like a Swedish fish. That's yuck. Textures. It's the wrong texture and everything. It's bad you know i really like swedish fish when they're like a little kind of stale like a little harder i've had like swedish fish that seemed like way too fresh like they were way softer and gummier Mm. that like they didn't have that stiffness they're not sour enough for me i want them to be tart yeah i I just don't like them when they're too soft it's really gross Oh, like, I like some firmness in my sweetie fish. Or Oreo's got a question about mold reuses, which shouldn't have okay. anything to do with Swedish fish. Penicillin. Moldy bread. <laughs> for a long time. What can time. you use moldy bread for? Penicillin. There you go. Answered. For a long time. Figure reuses would pop up from line to line. True. We're in the middle of this Prime Wars trilogy, which is gimmick heavy. True. So, for example, we did not see any of the thrilling 30 molds reused during Combiner Wars. Correct. Which is a crime because some of those molds deserve to be used again, such as Orion Pax, War for Cybertron Soundwave, who would make a killer mainframe, and War for Cybertron Megatron. 
Some of those molds would be great to see again without them having to be exclusive. So in what avenue do you see Hasbro revisiting these older line molds when there's a line-wide gimmick encompassing a year or two of figures? I already have an answer for you, and that's Toys R Us Platinum releases. Because that's where they're all showing up so far. And unfortunately, that's the only place they're showing up so far. Uh, like the uh, that, that thing with the two Junkions and Hot Rod, for instance. Uh, that's, that's, I think, where you're going to see that stuff. I, Seth, can you think of any other places where they could pop up? I mean, if they had to do some short filler line, maybe you pad that out with some repaints of old molds. Yeah. Retools. Um, I'm trying to remember when the last time there was just, like, a really kind of fillery line. Like, that's not something that they seem to do as much as they used to. I mean, that's kind of what Generations was. Like, before they did the whole thing where it's like, okay, here's the older kid slash adult collector stuff and then the little kid stuff. Um, You would get those, like, lines in between movies or in between movies and TV shows. Mm. Um, get a wave of the like generations or whatever. Um, yeah, so I don't know. It probably is just going to be like in two packs and stuff, or like here's this weird Toys R Us exclusive pack. Yeah, like the the platinum label seems to be the place for random older toys to resurface again, which is really cool. The the only thing really I think that ruins platinum is just how expensive it all is, um, yeah. and. You know, as much as I I do lay a lot of blame on Toys R Us, I'm sure there's also like just the fact that a lot of those molds are pre-oil strike or whatever. They probably aren't optimized for however you know toys are produced now. I would expect they probably are more expensive to make now than they were you know five four or five years ago. But it just makes for sadness when you when I see like oh I would I'd love that Junkie on three pack or that Planet of Junk three pack. Oh, it's a hundred dollars. I don't want it for a hundred dollars. And then I walk away, and I'm not helping. Um, so that's uh, our listener question from Oreo. We've got one more here from Riddler87. He says, Hello, Evangelist and the WTFTFW crew. Just a couple of questions for you guys. And I checked, it is two questions. Uh, a couple of years ago, I got laid off from work, and while I did find another job, I had to sell off a big chunk of my Transformers Prime and Generations figures to help pay some bills. For a while, I was just collecting Legends class figures until Combiner Wars came along and got back into full-scale collecting, because I can afford it now. Uh, a couple of times, I thought about maybe going back and picking up a few of the figures that I sold, and then I started to think about those Generations Thrilling 30 and Prime figures, and I really didn't like a lot of them. A lot of them seemed over-engineered, with parts bumping into each other during transformation, or parts having to fit together perfectly for it to work. Uh, the transformations themselves often being more of a chore than a fun puzzle, and he cites Prime Smokescreen as an example. Uh, even though I kept my rat trap from that line, I never transform him because it's more trouble than it's worth. I'm someone who always wanted more complex transformations, but after these lines, I've come to appreciate the more straightforward transformations of the newer lines uh, while still not feeling too basic and keeping a sense of fun. I was just wondering, what lines from the past do you look back on and think, yeah, maybe those weren't the best, and I'm glad we've moved past this uh, for whatever reason? Or when is a figure or line's overall complexity really soured you on it because it just wasn't that much fun to play with? Um, I don't. I don't actually. I want to throw in. I actually. I. I agree with uh, what he likes about simpler figures. Although I, I. I haven't really turned on more complex ones as a result. But I remember during Dark of the Moon when that started to happen, I was trying to vocalize precisely what it was I was kind of liking about that line compared to Revenge of the Fallen way back when. But, uh, Seth, is there anything Transformers-wise, like a whole line even, that you look back on and are kind of like, maybe it's a good thing we're past this? Yeah, like those earlier movie lines. 
yeah like the the first movie and stuff where yeah like i have no nostalgia for those things whatsoever because they were extremely difficult in some cases and then you finish getting it into robot mode and it's like oh it kind of looks like sort of what a, the movie character looked like um because those designs were just they're just so hard to translate yeah uh, down was, the toy and it was that second movie line that i think is still to this day like some of the hardest transformers that were ever sold on a toy store shelf yeah like uh like i remember one instance like when my nephew was like four or something like that like i had gotten him one of these like super easy to transform like made for toddler optimus primes and then uh one of his uncles on the other side of the side of his family my uh, my brother's wife's side uh, one of her brothers gets um one of those movie toys and it was just like how like he couldn't even figure out how to transform it i'm like as soon as i saw it unwrapped like the present being open i'm like this kid can't handle that thing like <laughs> i know adults that struggle with that thing <laughs> like yeah think about it and he's like oh i had transformers when i was a kid i'm like yeah but you had g1 this different <laughs> it's really different <laughs> you you turn that thing into a robot and let me know how it goes you got like halfway through it and gave up yeah i think I kind of like that. That's really the biggest thing that I'm kind of glad to have moved past that I kind of liked back when it was new is like because back when that a lot of the more complicated lines like that or even, you know, some of the the vinyl tech and alternators toys like back then, that was the only way for that toy to be done. But nowadays, like the simplification thing is not so much about it being a dumber toy, but there are some some cases in engineering where especially in Transformers the people working on this stuff figured out ways to accomplish the exact same thing with like a third of the parts and 10% of the effort on the user side. Yeah. And like, it's, it's things like when, you know, on an older toy, it would have been, Oh, you have to fold open up a panel, then move the shoulder block up, then unfold the arm and then shape the arm into an actual arm. And nowadays it's just, you pull the arm out and shift it up, but all the angles are cut in such a way that it's not obviously an arm and row in vehicle mode. And in robot mode, it doesn't look like the side of a car with an elbow joint in it. It's just more smartly designed now because the experience is there. And I'm I'm really happy to be in that stage. Yeah, like sometimes simpler can also be better. Yeah. Um, Yeah, like I I think they're getting into like a really good balance between between all those aspects, like between simplicity and difficulty and and still getting good vehicle and robot modes out and good articulation without having like a thousand steps. Yeah. Like I, that was the whole thing when they were pushing towards simplifying. They're like, we looked at some of these instructions and there were 10 steps just to transform the foot. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> why, why is this take so long? Because a lot of those weren't fun. Like, I didn't want to transform a bunch of those. Like, I would transform them once, get then get them back to... Then decide, like, do I like the vehicle or the robot better? better. Get it to that mode. I'm never touching this again because it's just not worth the effort. Yeah. 
And like, I, I think even in the unofficial side of, of transforming robots, like a lot of my favorite pieces and my favorite companies, you know, there was a period where they were going through the everything is a bajillion pieces. And like, certainly a lot of that stuff is still quite complicated, but I've, I've been pleasantly surprised by the number of companies who even do things that are like, you know, nine, 10 inch tall robot modes where it might be complicated, but it's it's at least complicated in big chunks that you can hold on to where it's not feeling like you're actually disassembling a model kit and putting it back together, but it happens to be held together by joints. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's like there's still some of that smartness coming through of like, we don't need to actually have this explode apart. We can we can still have the whole vehicle mode explode apart, but into large, grabbable pieces, not into extremely small, thin things on ball socket st stems. Um, just in general, like, like, just thinking more smartly about the experience, I think, goes a long way. Yeah, like, right now, I think my favorite transformations are, are like, the, there was a bunch of it in some of the more recent... Um, masterpieces and then i'll see similar things in some of the more the more, more mainliney things but uh when it's a case of okay this is we've remade this g1 character like here's your new shockwave or here's your new um uh grimlock or whatever and i can start transforming it without looking at the instructions and start figuring out oh it's all the bones of the original transformation. Like I'm still basically doing the same broad stroke moves, but there's more little detail parts inside of it. Yeah. But like, I'm basically getting this leg from being a back of a car to a leg and a foot the same way, but with more detail. And so I'm getting the nostalgia of, like, ooh, I'm doing this thing that I did as a kid, these same general motions, while still getting the much more detailed, much more solid kind of experience of a modern thing. So, like, that, when when a toy hits that in-between of new and old, for me, that's, that's my sweet spot right now. That's yeah. what I enjoy the most. Uh, and, like, I like a lot of that in, in current Masterpiece, when it is, like homaging that old skeleton like it's yeah. a, it's a really cool it's a it's a cool tactile way to like i like the use of the word nostalgia in that like it's a tactile way to set off that nostalgia as opposed to just having like you know oh the robot mode looks perfect except yeah. it's a nightmare to get to <laughs> yeah yeah so it's not just oh this looks like the the dots and fair lady z and now it looks like prowl the way like the, the rose colored glasses of nostalgia. Like it it's a robot prowl that looks like what I always wanted prowl to look like. And it looks exactly like the car and, and getting it from one to the other is also a nostalgia thing and not a chore. Yeah. It's a nice total package. Yeah. Like that's, that's why I've never been able to really click with like some of the, uh, the mat like the unofficial masterpiece alike stuff that has like really good looking robot modes and vehicle modes because often that is built on the back of just like i would in some cases a legitimately unpleasant transformation mm -hmm. or just like a transformation that is that is 
hard to the point of making me not want to do it. And uh, like there, there is a demographic for that, but like I'm, I'm, I'm just very tactile right now. Like I need to be able to mess with a thing <laughs> and actually enjoy messing with it. Otherwise, I don't feel like I got my money's worth. You know. Yeah. Um, and that's just me. Like I know there's, there's, there's. I, in the last couple of years, I've been having a lot of fun discovering all the different, you know, the different ways people enjoy just their transforming robot toys, if not other figures as well. And hitting that value is a. Is something that I think every, most every toy right now is doing a little bit better in some ways. Uh -huh. um, the only way that they're not is the amount of plastic you're getting. Like that's still that's always going to be the difference between like a 2010 transformer and like a, a modern transformer. Yeah, is like a 2010 one is always going to weigh about three times as much, and it will just have that feel of like, oh, I'm getting something here. Whereas like I adore the new Blur toy. I think it's an incredibly good transformer. It's it's a very light transformer, and if I you know, pick him up and then pick up Generations Jazz. Like, yeah, Generations Jazz is going to feel like twice the toy in my hands because there's there's a lot more in him. But anyway, that's that that went places and hopefully at some point answered the question on both our counts. Um, and like, I think because like because there was also the thing about like if overall complexity soured you on stuff, I think we both kind of that was part of both our answers in there. Uh, so the second paragraph says, uh, something that I started doing with Combiner Wars is I started adding details on highlight work on the figures with a fine tip black sharpie and a silver sharpie. Doing this really adds a lot to my figures, but I know there are better ways to detail figures, and I was wondering if anyone on the show had some tips for minor detail work. I have an immediate one, but Seth, I don't know if you actually do a whole lot of that. I, uh, I used to think about doing it. I still actually never really did it a lot, but did you ever do any, like detail work on your transformers not on transformers no but um around the time that gundam wing was on tv i got a bunch of those model kits nice and the first efforts at detailing those was also with just a black sharpie to do the panel lines yeah um and i found that sharpies on that plastic anyway i don't know how they would work on a transformer that were it it looked weird like it wasn't just a black line like i was hoping it would be like there was a weird tinge to it yeah it's like kind of a smudgy edge in a way uh not not really like that's not what i'm what i mean oh, okay. just like the the color of it it just wasn't a black line it was like like there was some other color tinging the black i kind of like a little purpley, really dark yeah, purpley. Yeah, kind of okay. like a little purplish. I kind of get what you um, mean. Yeah, and I and I think it's just that sharpie ink reacting with the plastic surface. Um, and then I found like Gundam markers. Yeah, that, that's, <laughs> and that's that. The, those are designed to work with that kind of plastic, and and uh, I built one of those. Uh, what are they called? Frame arts. Kotobukiya? Yeah, yeah. A couple years ago and bought a bunch of Gundam markers to do that thing up. And yeah, Gundam markers are neat. And then you could even save a couple bucks and like maybe go to a craft store and find paint pens, which are effectively the same thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, that way is probably a little cheaper just to like try them out. That, that was what I was going to recommend is if you're like, you know, to Riddler 87, if you're having a lot of a lot of uh 
success with just a black Sharpie and a silver Sharpie, my immediate suggestion would be move away from Sharpies and into paint pens, because paint pens will probably give you an even nicer finish than what you've got going on. Because um, I, in my experience, Sharpies can work, but like what Seth said is exactly what I've experienced with Sharpies, is sometimes they just look funny on certain plastics, and like yeah. they, they were never really built to bond onto a plastic on a model style scale you know of, of, of detail so a paint pen is literally meant to do that so it's that's probably the next place i would recommend going because I, I have a bunch of gundam markers and i use them now and then and like i i have i have a good time with them like i just used some gundam markers to uh on a on a on a, my best junker cycle my original cycle junker that i have who's in the best shape he didn't have either of his knee stickers uh which is like a yellow upside down triangle but that piece that like that detail is sculpted on there just his stickers were gone, so I, I used a white Gundam marker to to paint them, and then used a yellow Gundam marker to paint them, and now they look really nice. Uh, Gundam markers or paint pens are yeah, super worth it. It's a good thing you went white first, because if you just tried to go straight with the yellow, you would have had a bad time. Yeah, that comes from my experience of painting miniatures, as I know. Yep. You know never put yellow paint on anything except white paint. <laughs> yeah, and... If you're like working your way into doing more and more detail, kind of customizing like that, I think paint pens are a good way to start. Yeah. Because there's much less muss and fuss and mess and accoutrement than you need than if you just went straight to paint with brushes. Yeah. Like like with black paints, I can understand there's an argument to be made because black paint's not that expensive and yeah. Especially for panel lining, like it's been argued that it's a lot cheaper to get a pot of black paint and water it down and apply it with a brush rather than even get like, you know, a Gundam panel lining pen. Uh -huh. But if you're if you're just starting, there's no shame in going with pens because they just feel more natural to use. Like I still kind of prefer yeah. using a pen than a brush on a figure. It's just, that's just me. Well, my eyes have gotten to a point where I'm starting to lose close up vision. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I was looking at um, Warhammer figures not too long ago in a store and being like, did they, are they smaller than they used to be? Or does it just seem smaller? Because I've been away from it for so long. And then, like, kind of trying to get, get them up close to my face, like, to the range where I used to hold them when I did paint. And it, it was just blurry. I was like, oh, I can't do this anymore without, like, a magnifying lens or some special glasses or something that, i should get laser eyes i'm not That's what i should do i'm not gonna say whether or not your eyesight's deteriorating but it is i yeah <laughs> it probably is because that's what happens to people but i was looking at warhammer miniatures in the window of a games workshop a couple months ago when i was in the west coast and i had the exact same reaction and not it wasn't that i couldn't see the detail they just looked to me like they're a lot smaller now they all like the space marine miniatures all look like a head shorter than the ones that i used to have Huh. So I wonder I, if they did shrink them. Like I kind, I kind of think they did shrink them. Seems like something those bastards would do. Yeah, hey, you know, you you want to <laughs> you want to get me to agree to something without doing a single fact check? Tell me, Games Workshop did something to spend less money and make more money, and I'd yeah. probably just go like, oh yeah, they probably did. Yeah, like we, my girlfriend and I, we stopped in at this game store in San Rafael that I used to frequent quite often. Um. I only go there very occasionally now. But that's where I was buying a lot of my Warhammer stuff. 
uh, back in day. It's, it's, it's kind of amazing that this place is still open. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't um, believe there's still a games workshop in Victoria myself. Yeah. And like, I was looking at prices and stuff and I was pointing stuff out to her. I'm like this box of four plastic miniatures. You used to be able to get a squad of like 10 to 20 figures, plastic figures for the, for the same price. And now you get like four or five. This yikes. Like I couldn't imagine getting into that now with how expensive it is. Now I've read a lot of articles, a lot of articles. Whenever I want to check up on, you know, Games Workshop, all I ever see for the most part are articles about like, so who's still like a lot of the articles are, are framed around the idea that most people who are enthusiasts uh, either are in what is now borderline an abusive relationship with Games Workshop. <laughs> Where they just eat it in the wallet, and there's an, it's almost like the free-to-play logic, where there don't have to be a lot of people buying it, but the ones who stick with it are made to buy so much, or at least made to spend so much for what they have to buy to keep playing at official venues, that like that's how they're staying afloat, or the people who still really like it but don't want to spend that much basically don't play at Games Workshops anymore because they just they just make they, they customize their own models or use a lot of their old ones which, you know, you're not supposed to do at Games Workshop. Uh, Yeah, there's nothing that... I never see anyone saying Games Workshop is a nice company anymore. I see it more as either defending the idea of the games as they were 10 years ago, or people who just go like, no, I hate Games Workshop, but hey, I had fun with the game once or twice, so I, I, I play my own version at home. Like, I never have seen someone put together, like, this big, like, listen, Games Workshop's actually a great company, let me tell you why. Because apparently no one thinks that. <laughs> uh, I'm just... Just every now and then I think they're never going to make the Warhammer 40k video game that I would want. Like, I have a very specific idea of what I would love to see for a Warhammer 40k game. And they would never let it be made because it would completely eliminate the need to buy miniatures. Yeah. <laughs> Like I, I'm, I'm kind of lucky, and I'm not too lucky because they still haven't made it. As far as I'm, like they, they've gotten close. But like, whenever I thought about Warhammer video games, what I kind of wanted was I want the Twitch action version of what I'm doing in the tabletop war game. And like, you know, they made like Space Marine. You know, oh, that was, that was a fun game. That was that was pretty cool. But like, that I wasn't like that, one. that wasn't Warhammer Forty Thousand, the video game. That was just a cool game that took place in that universe. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't make the one where I get to play as a whole bunch of different kind of classes of character, you know, like, or, or the orc game that I would love the space orc game that I would love for them to make, which is like full on melee, like, you know, first person stuff or third person stuff, but also a full vehicle system, you know, make me Gorkamorka the video game. Cause you almost did, but you didn't, uh, <laughs> I'm still sour about how they treated Gorkamorka. That's where it all will eventually come back to. Yeah. Um, anyway, was there I think there there could be a cool Necromundo video game. Did they? But it seems like they're so forgotten, or Necromundo so like forgotten and in the oh, background. Yeah. No, it's it's a third game. So it no ever since the Lord of the Rings third game became the third tentpole, the third games, as far as I understand it, have just ceased to exist. So like everyone, if you ever ask about Necromunda, they're like, "What's that?" You ever ask about Mordheim, they're like, "What's that?" You ask about Inquisitor, they're like, hey, we got some Forge World miniatures for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, Gorka Marka would be part of that, too. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, and you asked them about Gorka Marka. 
Sp- Space Blood Hulk. Bowl. They, uh, I think they made a new Space Hulk recently. There's a new Space Hulk coming. Okay. That there seems to be some measured excitement for. Like, this could be really cool, but I don't want to get too excited because they might blow it. Yeah, never get excited about, about Games Workshop. No, is that a video game? Yeah. I'm talking about a, a tabletop game. Like I think oh. I think they made a new version of Space Hulk with nicer looking miniatures or whatnot. And there, then there was oh, one I saw. I, I saw something, but it's not called Space Hulk. Yeah, there's because there's one I saw which looks exactly like Space Hulk, and it has Gene Stealers in it. But yeah. like, so there's one of those with Terminators. But then I saw one where you weren't Terminators; you were like a different branch of the Imperium. But it was a, it was like a similar game. I think that's what I saw recently. Yeah, yeah, and I, I got kind of excited when I saw that because I, I felt like that was the kind of evolving on nostalgia approach I would never have guessed they would actually do. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Especially in light of like the way that they rebooted fantasy to just have fantasy space marines among other things. <laughs> yeah, I saw some of those new fantasy miniatures, and I was just like, yeesh. Like I don't I'm, think they I'm really. Not digging. I'm not digging the vibe they're going for here. I don't. I don't think they really look terrible so much as I don't like that that's replacing the regiments I used to see over on the other yeah. tables where the fantasy players played. Because that that gave fantasy this really cool identity of like, you know, oh, it's like you know, 40k is where these little squads having it out, but fantasy they've just got friggin' like regiments of 40 guys, and that's kind of cool. Yeah, a game store that I used to frequent that does not exist anymore. There was a couple times going in there where there was there was a few dudes that would play there that they were constantly trying to figure out a way to make fantasy and 40k work together so they could have fantasy versus 40k battles. Yeah. And so you go in there every now and then there'd be like all these ranks of regiments and then a bunch of space marines scattered around and then they're like they weren't like we're playing a serious game. It was more like discussing how the rules would work in each situation and trying to figure it out. And I'm like, those dudes are really thinking about stuff. And I wonder if they'll ever figure it out. <laughs> and then they went on to found the company that makes War Machine and Hordes and is doing way better than Games Workshop. <laughs> uh, anyway, those are our listener questions. Um, that one ended, by the way, with... Uh, Riddler 87 having that thing happen where he says click and then pointing out he has no idea why he's saying click. No one does. Um, Seth, let's talk about what we got this week. Did you get any Transformers this week? No. Uh, I I did. Alright. Uh, so I got I got I got uh in the mail today, I got the Japanese versions of Titans Return Scourge and Blur, where they have like a bazillion more uh colors on them. Uh-huh. Uh, so the, the the Japanese version of Blur is essential. It's an incredibly nice figure. And because he doesn't come with a, a spare little Titan Master weapon like, you know, the original seven do, he's like 2,500 yen, which means he's he's a lot more um, reasonable. Uh, like if you want to get uh, Skull Cruncher or Hardhead, they're 4,000 yen because of the extra vehicle. And when you are sp- spending 4,000 yen on a Titan's Return Deluxe, regardless of the bonus bits, that really affects the experience in my opinion uh scourge and blur thankfully you just get on their own and blur is awesome he's great also his little head doodly bopper when you pull it up it stays up like it, it goes down pretty easy if you push on it but when you pull it up and you put it there and you start moving his head around it stays up 
So I don't have to go in and modify the thing. So that's really nice. And uh, he's he's got just a, a really good paint layout, and he looks sharp. He's he's absolutely recommended. Uh, Japanese Scourge, my copy. The head still wobbles a little bit, but nowhere near as much as the head wobbles on North American Scourge. So that's been improved. Also, his head doodly bopper also uh, feels a lot more solid sticking up. And his paint apps are also a bazillion times more involved. The inside of his cape is dark blue, making it look like it's actually intentionally supposed to be the inside of his cape. Uh, his, he's, he's not... He and Blur in Japan are not just two large blue men who turn into vehicles. So uh, he, looks, <laughs> he looks really good. Um, also, North American-wise, so I, I got the Wave 2 foursome of Titans Return Deluxes, Chrome Dome, and Highbrow, and uh, Mind Wipe and Weird Wolf, Wolfwire, uh, and I got them, I went to Toys R Us, I found out, they A, they were at a Toys R Us in uh, the Toronto area, and B, the guy who found them had also managed to get Toys R Us to price match them uh, to Walmart's current price, because Walmart, online and then in stores without the price tags showing it, for whatever reason, they rolled back Titan's Return Deluxes to be twelve ninety two, like $12.92 Canadian. Uh, go and hit Google if you want to, dear listener, figure out how much that is in American, and et cetera, et cetera. It's so, about three buttons and some pocket lint. Yeah. Uh, no, it, it, <sighs> jeans pocket lint, not not nice jacket pocket lint. Right. Um, so I got them to price match those deluxes. But the way I did it, so I, the way that one guy did it is he said, I brought up the four Wave 2 deluxes and I brought Hardhead with me because Walmart's online listings only show the Wave 1 deluxes. So what I imagine the process is, is he said, hey, can I get these price matched? Here's the price on Walmart. Here's the toy the, the price is for. No, I don't want to actually buy the toy I just showed you, but he's the same as these four I do want to buy, so can you roll back those as well? I went over that in my head, and I was like, that is too complicated. <laughs> I'm going to dazzle them. And I'm, I'm okay. With details until they succumb. So my, my approach was I'll do the same thing, except I'll go up and show them a scourge, and then I'll just buy another scourge because I don't mind having multiple scourges. So I, I got another Scourge and the Wave 2 Deluxes. I want the deal that guy got. Just do for him and do for me what you did for him. <laughs> so I was kind of... Razzle dazzle. There was a little spark in my head of wondering if when I did this, they were going to say, oh, another one of you. Because this was the, all at the same Toys R Us. The people, this is the only one that had them at the when I went there. So I was I was wondering. And when I got there, there was only one set of Deluxes left. And the day before, there were apparently like three or four sets. So I was like, did they have to go through this price match backflip like multiple times uh but it worked so i got a great deal on wave two uh and i went into titan's return saying i don't need to buy full waves anymore then in canada they all went on sale immediately so i ended up buying a whole lot of titan's return but i really like wave two uh even highbrow who's kind of the we he's by far the weakest of the wave um aside from the weird thing with his head connection mine feels fine joint wise uh, it sucks that his propellers don't fold up, but I, I like the way he looks. He looks like highbrow. Uh, and I, on mine, the trick works where if you turn the little Titan Master's head 90 degrees to either side and then plug him in, he holds in more solidly. Um, there are other fixes I've read as well, which I'll probably give a try to. Um, Chrome Dome is also pretty solid. He's probably not the best in the wave, but I kind of like him the most because uh, he works really well. Uh, he's a decent-looking car. He's got a good transformation. He turns into a good-looking robot, and his little his little driver then turns into his head. He's the whole play pattern, like condensed into one beautiful bullet point, and he works. So I really like Chrome Dome, uh, Mind Wipe, and Wolfwire are probably better toys, but I, I just have had the most fun with Chrome Dome. 
Uh, Mindwipe is really cool. He's really weird. Uh, I like him a lot because he's really weird. He kind of has these strange little faults here and there uh, that are sort of a product of his weirdness, but the way he transforms is super cool. And uh, his bat mode I, I really like because you can fold the wings up over him to make him look like he's like asleep. But you can't you can't easily hang him upside down from anything, which is kind of a downside. Um, Wolfwire is probably the best figure of the four, though. Uh, and it's the, the best way I can put it is he's very similar to the Function X Weird Wolf in how he transforms. And it's kind of amazing how much on him transforms. Like he, uh, Random Factor put it uh, on Twitter recently that you could, f I think it was either him or Hoopla. I think it was Random Factor. I can't remember. They're both local Canadians, so, you know, they're basically the same person. But uh, I love you guys. He is bumping right into the budget ceiling on current deluxes, and you can feel it, but he does it well. And he's just got these really cool transformation steps. His robot mode feels awesome. Uh, his wolf mode. Uh, usually I don't like quadruped modes on Transformers, and I especially don't like them on high-end Weird Wolf toys, because usually his legs feel weird. Like, they feel all jostly and, like, his thighs aren't connected. And this one kind of has that going on. But he, he, he carries it a little bit better because there's less moving parts. Uh, so he's probably the best of, of Wave 2. Um, but I like Chrome Dome the most. So uh, Wave 2 is now, like, starting to show up everywhere, it seems. Uh, if you're in America, it seems like the best place to find it is Walgreens. So congratulations, Walgreens. Uh, Big Bad has it in, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I'm happy with Titan's Return also because now I'm kind of... I just need to get Brainstorm and then wait for a super deep discount sale and get Fort Max and I'll have everything I wanted from Titan's Return. Everything else is gravy. Like I've got six of the original seven sitting sitting right by my desk and it feels really cool. They look like a really cool set of toys and I'm I'm very impressed that the first two waves plus Brainstorm is basically, you know, doing all the characters that they absolutely had to do in this line. They got them done right away. Uh, I'm amazed Wave 2 is just four original Headmasters, uh, given the way that, you know, these things usually go. So, uh, I'm really enjoying them. Uh, but also I'm enjoying them because I'm not paying $20 in tax for each one. I've been getting them on sale. Uh, and that's my, that's my on-topic, what I got, I believe. Um, Seth, did you get any off-topic stuff? No. Oh, man. I caught, I caught you on a rest week. Yeah, well, between, like, all the hours of working, yeah. no real desire to go out and do anything during the week. And then last weekend, I was just sort of trying to become a human being again after the previous week of nightmares. You're not, you're um, not, you're not staggering over to a Toys R Us and making really poor decisions while utterly nah. fatigued? Nah, I didn't really go out last weekend, so. Eh. But I have to go out this weekend. Shopping has to be done, so I'll at least be at a Target at some point and, and start looking for stuff because I'm I'm hyped to find those uh those Wave Two Deluxes. Yeah, no, they're they're it. they're very sharp. Uh, I really like them. Just, uh, if if you got to skip one, Highbrow is is probably not actually that good, but I, I have an affinity for Highbrow. So I still um, like them. I'll likely get it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also, if you're out at a Target, did, uh, so I saw on Twitter today, today someone apparently bought, you know, the Black Series First Order TIE Fighter? That humongous yeah. thing? Someone got one at a Target today for $25. Wow. <laughs> so who knows? Maybe you'll get really lucky if you really want a TIE Well, not if you want a TIE Fighter. If you want a really stylish-looking nightstand, 
then <laughs> yeah months ago i heard rumors of those things being a target for 50 bucks yeah and i lugged one from the toy aisle to the nearest price scanner uh just to see and my girlfriend i'm sure she was screaming in her head oh god no please no <laughs> and then it came up as full price and i was like nah and went to take it back and it was like good it's too big <laughs> no all you got to do is just say if you put like this is true you get you get that tie fighter you put it down on its side and it's a great little table yeah she loves little tables holy moly does she love yeah. little tables hey look you love you star little wars tables like, all over the place i got you a little star wars table yeah we're lousy with little tables around here. <laughs> so many little tables. If you ever come to visit, there's no shortage of places to rest whatever it is you don't want to be holding anymore. Oh man, I love little tables. <laughs> uh, I got I got one off topic thing today that was in the package with Japanese Scourge and Blur. Uh, this is the uh, the fiftieth anniversary special edition of the new, somewhat newly released SH Fig Arts Ultraman, the original Ultraman. Uh, Ooh, this, this is the only Ultraman that I that uh, from the original series like line of them that I have any affinity with up until like Ultraman Zero because I like that movie a lot. Original Ultraman, I got the DVD set of of his show a long time ago where they included the English dub with the Speed Racer dub cast, uh, who did the Ultraman dub. It turns out, um, but this special edition, so they released the figure by himself, but then they also had this 50th anniversary box where you got a little city with them, uh, which is something that they're selling on its own as well. But I just like the idea of like getting Ultraman and a little a little city block for him to walk around in. Uh, they're also they're selling that city block on its own, and there's also a damaged version where the buildings are all like half crumbled and cracked, and like the road has cracks in it. Um, and it's all interlockable, so you can like you, if you buy a bunch of them, you can build a little city diorama. But uh, I've only really messed with the Ultraman figure, but he feels good. And I, I had the original Ultra Act Ultraman from way back when, uh, which is crazy. Yeah, to I me. have that. And his little chest jewel will not stay in <laughs> mine. I, I falls can't, out. I can't believe that Ultra Act is now something from way back when. Like I, yeah. I still think of it as like a new thing. But I think this is actually because they did a new original Ultraman in Ultra Act a couple years ago, and this is like the third one they've done now. Uh, but this one feels very modern fig arts. Like he's a very uh, slick design. Um, his articulation works quite smoothly. He doesn't feel over engineered really anywhere. Uh, his hips are perhaps slightly more limited, but that makes them look a lot smoother in most poses. So he's, he's a good figure, but I, I, the, the presentation of the package was really nice. Like, I, I was pleasantly surprised by, by the, the box. Like, the box is really stylish. It's got a big 50 on the front. And, uh, and Ultraman's a cool dude. I'm okay with having a nice new Ultraman figure. So, pick that up. Uh, I'm a little tempted to maybe grab one or two more of the option act cityscape dioramas somewhere down the road, but as for getting more Ultraman, I think I'm good, unless they do like a new Zero. Um, but that's about it for my off-topic, what I got this week. This yeah, I, I watched... Uh, that was one of... That, that original Ultraman series, The English Dove, was one of my favorite shows when I was in kindergarten. Uh, there were one of the local channels, KTVU, had a, a show in the afternoon, Captain Cosmic. I might and have heard was, of Captain Cosmic. I think I sent you clips like yeah. years ago. Um, the last time I thought about Captain Cosmic, but one of the regular things they would show were Ultraman episodes, and and uh, yeah. Whenever I see any later Ultraman that I had no experience with, it's like. 
it's crazy looking. It's crazy. What? <laughs> They're reinventing there, the wheel over here. There, there are a lot of Ultraman designs that I kind of don't feel much for. Like, a lot of the older ones look too much like Ultraman. And then uh, the ones I like are the newer ones where they're kind of slim, but they've got their own thing going on. Like, when Ultraman designs get really bulky and armored, it kind of loses me a bit. Because then I'm like, if I wanted that, I'd, I'd go watch Kamen Rider or some Metal Hero shows. But uh, original Ultraman is a, a really nice design. Like, it's, it's very, very... Very cool take on a giant alien, and the, and the figure even has the two little dots in the in the eyes where the actual suit actor would have to see out of. Like I don't I don't know if they're sculpted in or painted in, but they're very subtle. Uh, but they're also there. Like I, I looked for those right away. Um, so it's kind of fun posing him in like in a way where you're trying to pose him where the imaginary suit actor inside would also be able to see what's in front of him. It's kind of a kind of a neat little little game I've been doing for the last since this afternoon <laughs> but uh yeah i think that's uh that's the show for this week so uh thanks for tuning in everyone thanks seth for joining us uh i hope that things continue to look up uh work wise and uh yeah it's got to get better eventually seth i also i forgot to ask you um while recording at least i asked you beforehand but uh have you how do you feel about uh the new podcast front page with the play buttons I'm getting used to it. Um, I think it's a, it's, I mean, having the play button there, I think is cool for people who aren't maybe regular listeners who, or maybe haven't listened before and maybe they haven't figured out how to get podcasts otherwise. Mm -hmm. So I think that convenience is cool for somebody that may just be regular on the boards and just, like oh, let's see what this is about i'm bored let's just click one of these and see what happens um yeah so i think the button's cool there there's a lot of stuff about the board redesign that i'm still getting used to and and uh assimilating with yeah and trying not to be an old crank about it I'm like oh, i changed everything it used to be good I still remember when the board shade of blue was a much darker, richer navy blue, and I still don't know if we've if we've hit that height again in our color layout. I don't know. I remember when they changed changed the shade of the 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 gray that made up so much of the boards with like that little blue hint to it. Yeah. Because I had made a a signature image where I colored parts of it the same color so it looked like the the old green masterpiece star scream was sort of breaking like I first I photoshopped the star scream onto a cloudy sky background blue sky with white puffy clouds and then I trimmed some of the the sky so the jet mode was coming out beyond the sky but I colored that part the same color as the board, so it blended and had like this effect, this kind of 3D-ish effect. And then Tony like changed the shade by like two points, and then you could just see <laughs> what I had done, and I never tried to remake it. <laughs> it's like stupid Tony break my signature picture. Why why do you hate my signature? Why did you change the whole board? Why did you change the stupid jerk? Dick. So that's how that's how message board upgrades used to be. Yeah. Nowadays it's just all where are my social groups? 
I don't even know what that's like. Yeah, make it more like Twitter and Facebook and Pinterest and everything else. I did find out, I want to say for the recording, I found out you can Twitter mention people on the boards. If you do an at in their username, because I got it, you're going to get a notification that says, like in my case, Dime Chalk has mentioned you in the Trinex Alpha thread. And I was like, how did he mention me? So I went to look and it was cute. I was like, oh, we can play like Twitter on the boards. So from now on, if you want to be a hooligan, anytime someone mentions you in a message board post on TFW and they don't put an at in front of your name, accuse them of subtweeting you on the boards. That's technically what they're doing. You're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks. Anyway, uh, we're going to close this up, so thanks for tuning in. Thanks again, Seth, for coming by. And uh, we'll talk to y'all later on here on WTF at TFW. Get me, but you got some badass perpetrators now here to stay.